Amen. Amen. If you just jump in, we're going to jump right into it today. We're in Acts chapter 4. So if you've got your Bibles or you want to follow along, we're going to be in Acts chapter 4 today. We've been doing a study through the book of Acts today, and we're going to look at unity today and how unified the early church was. So as we've been studying the book of Acts, we know that Luke is the author of the book of Acts and basically gives us the history of the beginning of the church and how the church survived under so much opposition when it first started in the first century. And so chapter 4 will give us an inside look at why the church survived. And this chapter deals with unity. And so what we'll learn today is, This can actually translate into where we live today and how we can live in unity, even though we have different opinions. How many of you have an opinion about stuff? How many of you have a little stronger opinion about stuff than other people, right? So we all have opinions, and the first church wasn't any different. But what we'll see today that unity through Christ can translate into our marriages It can translate into our relationships. And even though we are different people, we can still walk in unity through Christ Jesus. Let me give you a little background of chapter four. Um, What we looked at last week is we looked at the healing of the lame man that that was just incredible and how God reached out to this man and healed his body. And the background of chapter four is Peter and John are arrested for proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this comes right on the heels of the healing of the lame man. And so what's happened is the city is just buzzing because people are coming to Christ. And so the Jewish leaders, they don't know what to do with these guys, and they just want to stop them because there's so much that's happening happening at that time. So they began to interrogate Peter and John, and they they just tell them, you need to stop what you're doing. They see their boldness for Christ. And after the interrogation, they let them go. And what's incredible about this story is that Peter and John are released and they go back to the church. They go back to the body of believers who were praying for them. And this is where we're going to pick the story up in Acts chapter 4. We're going to look at the latter part of this chapter. And I want to read verses 23 and 24, verses 29 and verses 32 through 35. So just listen with me of what happened after they were freed. And this is what it says. It says, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priest and the other elders said. And when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. So what you see right away, there was this unity of believers in prayer together when they heard of the release of Peter and John. And then look at Acts verse 29 in chapter 4. It says, Now, Lord, consider their threats. This is their prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. I want you to look at this because we're going we're to dive deeper into what their prayer actually meant. And then verse 32 and 35 says this. All the believers, everybody say all, all the believers were united in heart in mind in verse 32 and they felt that what they owned was not their own so they shared everything they had and the apostles testified powerfully of the resurrection of the lord jesus and god's great blessing was upon them all and there was no needy people among them because those who had owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money uh, to the apostles and give to those 
in need. So what Luke does is he shares that the church, this early church facing persecution, was still united in heart and in mind. So let me ask you three questions this morning. Can we be united in heart and mind when we are so different? Second question I want to ask you is, can we disagree about something without being without having division or being divisive? Can we walk in unity in our church and our marriages? Is that possible? Well, I believe what we're going to learn here today through these passages, the answer is a resounding yes. And so what we see is they were, uh, in these verses, there was something that caused them to become one in heart and mind. What was the key factor for them to walk in unity and heart and mind, even though you had all these different people, you had people with different backgrounds, what caused them to walk in unity, even though there were different people with different opinions? And there's two things I want to bring out this morning. First of all, they were other-focused. They cared about each other, and they cared about each other's needs, and they ministered to one another. And the second and the most powerful thing that kept the church unified was their prayer focus. Can I get an amen? We absolutely need to be a church that is praying. Without prayer, we will splinter we will, there will be factions. And so prayer was the focus. They prayed together. And so what kept them together? Well, the church had a commonality that caused them to share the same vision, even though they were different people with different opinions. And so the church had the same expectation. They understood the opposition and they understood trials would come. So let me drill down on this. Have you ever had a disagreement with, with someone? Okay, all of you. Can we just say we all had disagreements at times? Every single one of us at one time or another has not seen eye to eye with someone. Now think of that time when you disagreed with someone and it kind of escalated. It got a little more heated. And when you step back from that argument or that maybe that heated discussion and you begin to assess what went wrong, what did you come away with? Well, maybe you dug your heels in and you wouldn't apologize for your part. Or maybe you apologized even though you didn't mean it so that it would just be over. Well, I can tell you that at the root of every disagreement or argument is usually one thing. And I don't care what the disagreement is, but the one thing usually, and we can, I can see this in marriages, and for those of you that are married, it's usually unmet expectations. I've been married for, um, for 30 years, and I know that if you boil down the disagreements that Kathleen and I have had over the years, it would usually come down to expectations. I thought one way, and Kathleen thought another way. For you married couples, can I get an amen? Have you ever thought one way, and your spouse thought another way? I got one car beat. Boy, you guys are smart right there. You guys are like, I don't want to be put in the doghouse for this. But, And usually what happens is we didn't clearly communicate our expectations. I thought you would do this, and you didn't do it. I thought you would put gas in the car, even though the car was below E, and it didn't happen. That that, by the way, is not a true story in my account. Um, just saying. Um, most newlywed arguments usually stem from unmet expectations. You'll go into the marriage this way. You'll say, well, my family did it this way. I thought you would iron. I assumed we would have kids right away. I assumed we would go to my parents' house for Christmas. I thought you wanted six kids. Uh, my family never had a budget. We just flew by the seat of our pants. But in every relationship, there's a gap, a gap of what you think and then what is reality. 
And so there's a gap between what I expect and what is really true. And so this can easily happen within the church. The difference about the early church and why they could walk in unity with such extreme oppositions is their expectations were correct about what Jesus expected from them. So this can happen within the church. We might have an expectation that the church should do certain things. And when those certain things are not done, we get frustrated. I thought that this church would be more like fill in the blank. Or I thought the worship would be more like this, fill in the blank. I thought Pastor Barden would preach more like Billy Graham, fill in the blank, right? So we all have these expectations of what we want. And we all have these certain expectations in our lives. And if we don't have clear understanding of our expectations, it will lead to frustration, which can lead to bickering and fighting. Clear expectations are the key to unity. When we communicate and understand what is expected, it will lead to less frustration. So why didn't the church get frustrated when opposition came against them. In fact, they did the opposite. They began to pray. They began to give to one another. Just the opposite. Because, listen, when things don't go well, usually fights begin and we want what we want. And then there's just bickering and then there's just fractions. And I can, I can guess that every time you were frustrated, maybe at work, it usually is a direct result of not clearly understanding your job description or what was expected of you. I thought this, but my employer expected this of me, which causes frustration. I remember when I was in college, I worked a summer job as a commercial roofer at Kodak. It was the worst job I have ever had. But here's the thing about it. It was hot. You worked on the roof. You worked with hot tar. We had to carry heavy tiles on the roof. It just, you know, all for $7.15 an hour. And I thought that was big money back then in 1987 or 88, whenever it was. But I remember the first day on the job, they sat us down in this room, and they gave us all the expectations of what a commercial roofer would be like. And this is what they said. It's going to be hard. It's going to be dirty. You're going to want to jump off the roof at some time. I mean, they just, they were totally honest. They gave this realistic expectation of what the job would be like. And guess what? They were exactly right. And so for some reason, going into that job, I knew it was going to be hard. I knew it was going to be dirty. I knew it was going to be difficult. But knowing the expectations helped me to endure the five days that I worked there. I'm kidding. I worked there all summer. I'm just teasing. But for the church, it can be the same way. And for the early church, the expectation, they knew that it was going to be difficult. They knew it wouldn't be easy. They knew that there would be opposition for their faith. Jesus set the expectation for our lives and for the early church. Listen to what Jesus says. If you get this verse, it's going to allow your life to be a lot less frustrating. Because Jesus set the expectations for us in John sixteen thirty three when he says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, Jesus says, everything will go well for you and you will never have any difficulties in your life. Is that what Jesus said? Absolutely not. Jesus said, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows and tribulations. But he said, but take heart because I have overcome this world. I think the early church and the early apostles knew that life here on earth would not be easy. 
that it would be difficult, that sharing the gospel would be met with opposition. Jesus didn't promise everything would be perfect and that the early church, they understood this. Jesus's words help us not to have an entitled attitude, but it helps us to look at our problems and the trials we go through realistically, that even though we're all going to have them, guess what? Jesus says, take heart, I've overcome the world so that I can trust Christ through my problems. Jesus was honest with his disciples, and he said, listen, life is going to stink at times, and there's going to be difficulty, but I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to give you my peace. So the church had this clear vision that it wasn't about them. And this is the reason why they could make it, and this is the reason why the church was so well-established and it's infantile, because it could have easily disintegrated quickly. Two things here. Are you ready? They were other-focused. They looked at the needs of others. One thing that shows the heart of Christ is the way they gave to each other and cared about each other, and they gave to the needs of others. And they didn't give to the needs of others. They voluntarily gave to the needs of others. And this shows that the message of Christ was anchored in their hearts, that even though the world was against them, they were together and they still met each other's needs. I'll tell you what, when we face opposition and we're facing opposition in our world here today, we need each other as the church. And we got to continue to minister to each other and love on each other and give to each other. And that's what's going to help us. Even though we may have different opinions about things, we've got to do this, church. Because if we're not doing this, we can easily lose our way. And here's the second thing. They also had a prayer focus. And I want you to notice the focus of their prayer. They prayed for boldness to speak God's word. Here is the crazy thing about their prayer. They didn't pray for God to spare them from future opposition. They prayed for boldness and that they would be strong, in fact, in the face of opposition. So they didn't say, God, don't ever let us face opposition again. Let us live a nice, easy life here on earth. We don't want to have any issues. That's not the way they prayed because they understood the words of Jesus. They didn't pray for God to spare them from further opposition. They prayed for boldness that they would be strong in the face of opposition. How many realize we're in the face of opposition today? And we need to come together as a church as we pray, as we seek God's face uh, through what we're going through today. This is why they didn't compromise and they continue to fill God's purposes. So why? Why didn't um, they pray for God to spare them from further opposition for this reason? They knew trials would come and they knew trials would be another opportunity to serve and share the message of Jesus Christ. And so they had a correct expectation and they understood the words of Jesus. So listen, it's easy for us. I get frustrated when things don't go well. It's easy for us to get frustrated when we think that uh, we don't have to go through trials. And, and there's been times I've said it. I'm sure you've said it. Why am I going through this? But I want you to understand for the early church, that wasn't part of their prayer. And it's okay to ask God to help us to go through the trial because within the trial, a powerful prayer would be this. God, show me how I can grow through this trial. And that's what the early church prayed. You want to pray a bold prayer as you go through the trial? Not so necessarily say, God, remove me out of this trial. Move say, God, show me your heart. Show me more about myself through this trial. Because how many of us know it's through trials that we grow the deepest? So I'm, not, I'm like you. I'm like, oh, God, bring on the trials. Bring on. It's not part of our nature to do that. But trials will come. 
And the way we pray a bold prayer would be, God, show me how I can grow through this trial. And those are deep things that God wants to do in our hearts. And I know God's been doing in that in my heart over the last months. It's like, God, show me your heart. Show me what you want from me. Take away the things in my heart that are selfish, that shouldn't be there. And it's amazing how through those times of trial, God just cultivates his love and his spirit within our own hearts. And it's only through trials. I don't like it. It hurts. How many know that when you're disciplined from the Lord, it's not fun? But he disciplines us. Why? Because he loves us and he cares for us and he wants us to grow in him and he wants our roots in him to be deep. So the church was unified through opposition as crazy as that may sound. And this is why we should share our trials with one another and pray for unification between one another. So when we are hurting, when we're going through a trial, this is where we need to reach out to the church. This is where you need to connect with other Christians. This is why you need to be part of a small group. This is why you need to go to our website and ask for prayer. You can ask for prayer on our website through the prayer tab. This is why you need to call in other Christians. Don't don't go through your trial alone. This church shared the trial of Peter and John, and they rejoiced together. It actually caused the church to unify and become closer together as they shared this trial together. And so I just want to ask you a couple of questions that I just closed today. Is do, do you tend to have unrealistic expectations about your walk with God? Like, do you expect things to always go well? And are you upset when things don't go your way? That That's definitely an unrealistic expectation of what Jesus told us. Do, do your disagreements stem from, stem from unmet expectations? When you really get down to the bottom of the reason why you're frustrated or upset, is it just you wanted it one way and it didn't go that way, and so you're frustrated? And we all go through that, including myself. How do you respond to difficult situations? What's your first response? And this is what I've got to learn, too, is that this is where we go to God in prayer. This is where we go to God's people. Or do I get frustrated? Do I feel like I need to pull away from the church instead of connect deeper with the church? Because when we're hurting, let's all be honest, the first thing we tend to do is want to pull away. We don't want people to know what we're dealing with. We're afraid we might get judged. The opposite is true for the early church. What they did is they met together and they shared their needs and they prayed with one another and God blessed them in their midst. And so how could being prayer-focused and others-focused change your expectations? So if you're easily frustrated by how the world is going or the problems that you may be facing in your life, how could prayer and reaching out to others change that? This is what made the difference for the early church. They prayed together and they reached out and God blessed them in their midst. And so for the unification of living word and God being unified in our church, I believe when we continue to reach out to one another, when we continue to serve each other, and when we come together in prayer, I believe God is in our midst. No matter what we may go through, no matter what different political slants we may have, it won't matter because Jesus is the one thing that matters the most. And is Jesus being glorified in our midst? So my, my, my prayer for you is that you would continue to pray for our church. Thank you for your prayers for me and the leadership. And just keep reaching out. We're so thankful for those of you that continue to reach out for prayer through, through our website. Um, we pray for those. Our prayer team meets every Tuesday at 630. We pray for the needs of our church and what you're going through. And um, our church is going through it right now. And, and I need your prayers. And I believe, 
I believe with all my heart that God is good and that God uses every situation. If we give it to him, he can use it for his purposes and his glory. If we just give it to him and we continue to seek prayer together as the church and we continue to minister to each other through this, this is how we gain the spirit of Christ. And I don't want any other, uh, I don't want, I don't want a divisive spirit to enter our church or to enter your lives. I want Jesus to be glorified in our midst. Amen. I believe this is a great lesson for us to learn today in, in, in chapter four of, of acts. So I want to pray for you. And then the worship team's going to come up and we're going to pray. And if the, if the parade of motorcycles comes by or whatever, we'll just keep, we'll do whatever. We'll just keep worshiping and we'll tell them to come on in and worship with us. <laughs> Amen. Can we pray together? Will you bow your hearts with me here this morning? And those of you that are joining us online, would you just pray with us and just pray for our church? Would you just, would you just pray with me? Um, would you, would you make a covenant with me to pray, pray for our church every single day? Would you do that? Just, just pray for our church. Just pray for the unification of our church. Pray for God's wisdom. Pray for God's protection. Pray as we face opposition that we would be stronger in God together. Pray that we would continue to reach out to one another. So thank you for just, I just want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, thank you for your support and your love. I've gotten so many cards and letters and emails and text messages I can't begin to thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for all that. I feel that support, and I believe God is glorified through that when we just pray for each other. Amen? God is good, isn't he? God is good. So let's pray. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for this message. I know I needed to hear this today, God. And I pray for anyone that's just going through a difficult time in their lives, that's just frustrated with what they see in our world or maybe what's going on in their hearts and lives. Lord, I pray that you would just grab our hearts, that we as a church would come together, even in the face of opposition like the early church did. That we would be others-focused, that we would constantly have that in our minds, looking not only out for our own interests, but the interest of others. Because in one way or another, we're all hurting, and we all battle, and we're all frustrated in some areas of our lives. And I pray we would just look to each other in a way we can just reach out to one another, make a phone call, send a text, send a letter, send an email, whatever it is, Lord, just to encourage each other that we're praying for each other. And Lord, I pray that we would be bound together in prayer, that we would make that covenant before you to consistently pray for our church every single day. So I give you our church. I thank you for what you're doing through our church, God. I thank you for your faithfulness to us. It's all about you, Jesus, and what you're doing. So we look to you for our strength. We look to you for wisdom and guidance in our lives. We look to you, Lord, to help us in these coming weeks and months, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for everything you do for us each and every day. You're so good. And I pray as we just spend this time in worship that we would just look to you, Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And I thank you for God's people. I thank you for this church, God. And I thank you that he that began a good work is faithful to complete it. So we love you, Lord, and we thank you. And we just want to be careful to ask all these things in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. We continue to worship the Lord. Amen.